what's going on what's going on everyone's actually listening to this podcast right now first of all guys welcome to the nikhil sai show which is hosted by me the nikhil sai and guess what's going on today we are back with another amazing two comma club interview this is going to be crazy guys now we're talking about someone who actually went from being a small junk removal company owner to one of the most demanding youtube ad experts in the course creator and influencer industry this is absolutely a crazy journey on how he has been trans- transferring himself from learning the skill set and actually implementing themselves in his own business to actually now leveraging youtube ads to help you know online course creators high level people scale their businesses to over seven figures and this dude is crazy when it comes to the demand he has around and you know again if you are someone who is into digital product space coaching consulting and if you're struggling or trying to learn how you can actually leverage youtube ads this podcast is going to be an absolute game changer so guys let's not waste any time and actually let's welcome the guy with the brown jacket the youtube ad expert let's welcome Kyle Sellerud CEO at adleg.com hey Kyle hey Nikhil what's up man yeah thank you for making our time for this quick podcast with I really appreciate that Yeah, thanks for inviting me on. Excited to to hear what you have to ask me today. Yep, absolutely brother. Our listeners are definitely waiting. So, Kyle, before we get into the real stuff which is like YouTube ads and scaling campaigns and all of that good stuff, can we please start with like your backstory? Like how did all of this crazy journey started? <clears throat> yeah, um well, I could go back pretty far. Should, should I do this in about five minutes or how how big Absolutely. of a story do you, you want? You can go an hour long. We are more than happy to hear out. <clears throat> All right. So, so real quick, I'll mention, and I don't share this often. Um, so I actually started quote-unquote internet marketing um, in 1997 uh, when I was 14, 15 years old. And eBay just came on the scene. And one thing I was doing, so I was going around to, to garage sales on my bike and buying and selling stuff. One thing I was did is actually got into info marketing and I was mm-hmm. buying floppy disks. Um, anyone who's over 35 years old probably knows what a floppy disk is. And it was a floppy disk that had all this information on it, basically about how to make money on eBay. And one thing that came along with that were these resale rights so i could make copies of this same disc that i bought and sell it to other people and uh you know did that on ebay and i would get checks in the mail for ten dollars or ten dollar bills in the mail i would put these floppy discs into a, an envelope a, a, a padded envelope ride my bike to the <laughs> post office and mail these out uh, across the united states wow um, and that lasted about as long as you would expect when you're selling the resale rights to the same thing you're selling um and the market got flooded pretty quickly but mm-hmm. that was kind of my first uh first experience with internet marketing now nobody pointed out to me at the time that i was doing something entrepreneurial no one really recognized hey Kyle you, you're an entrepreneur you should really follow this path so Instead, I followed the same path that most of my classmates followed and finished high school, went to college and uh went down this path of getting uh you know, having a career. Hmm. So after college, I I was working for eBay actually, just kind of by coincidence. The company I was working for got bought out by eBay. Um so mm-hmm. I ended up having this corporate job for eBay. and uh kind of slowly figured out that this wasn't for me i needed to be doing my own thing i needed to be working for myself so um came across a, an opportunity if you want to call it that although it turned out to be not you know not the greatest opportunity but an opportunity to start a business working for banks and cleaning out foreclosures. So the bank forecloses on a property. Mm-hmm. They need someone to go into that property, change the locks, clean out all the trash, clean the, you know, clean the whole house so that 
the bank has possession of a property that can be resold. Hmm. So a friend of mine was doing this, kind of working for another guy doing this type of work. He pointed out the the business opportunity here. And mm -hmm. uh, I said, all right, let's let me get into that. That's something that sounds a little more interesting than this corporate job. Let me see where this takes me. So I got into the, into that, um, which turned out just to be a, a disaster of a business for for a lot of reasons. You know, we didn't have any control over our the work we were getting. It basically was a job because we were just relying on banks to send us uh, this work to do. Yeah, and um, uh, it, there were all kinds of expenses, um, hiring you know, people and equipment to do all this work. And the bank didn't pay us for 60 to 90 days. So just a horrible business to be in. Oh, my God. But along that ride, I, I kind of discovered marketing and, hmm. and thought, okay, this is interesting. Here's a way that I can control my destiny a little more. I can think about you know, what, how, what can I spend money on? How can I spend money to market my business? and have some control. So I'm not just relying on banks to send us the, this work whenever it comes around. And that's what led me into the junk removal thing. I, I realized we don't have to work for banks. The same stuff we're doing right now, essentially cleaning out all these foreclosed houses, we can do that just for consumers. And not only can I control that through marketing, but I can get paid right away. Uh, it doesn't require as much equipment as the bank work did because we had to change locks and uh, and plow the snow and mow the lawns and all this type of stuff. Uh, so I started marketing. Um, now, this was right about the time I, I quit my job. I decided just to focus on this. I didn't quite have it figured out. I didn't have this marketing thing figured out, but... I decided I'm, I'm just going to go for it. I had a little money saved up. I basically took a 100% pay cut because my business wasn't making any money yet mm -hmm. and quit my job and focused on junk removal. And that, uh, that just slowly but surely kind of started to work out. As I learned marketing, I figured out where to, where to put my ads in front of customers, different types of marketing like Facebook ads and direct mail, uh, newspaper mm. ads, we radio ads, like we were doing everything. Some of it worked, some of it didn't work. And I just kept analyzing that data to figure out what was working the best. Mm. And uh, eventually kind of fell into Google ads as something that not only was it working to bring in customers for the junk removal business, but I actually enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed figuring out what to write and like what these ads could say. I enjoyed the numbers behind it and looking at how many impressions and clicks we were getting and how much that cost and how much did it cost to, to get a phone call and then how many phone calls did I need to get a customer and what was the average customer worth and all this stuff um, just kind of turned me on to Google, to Google ads. So from there, from there, I really uh, wanted to learn more about Google Ads and how does this apply outside of junk removal? And is there stuff I can learn? Is there more I can learn to actually help my junk removal company even more? So that uh, caused me to look for other businesses that could use help with Google Ads, which led to a whole business in and of itself of providing Google ads services for these businesses hmm. uh, that started to take off to the point that I closed down the junk removal business, just focused on running a Google ads agency that morphed into uh, YouTube ads. Uh, YouTube is of course owned by Google. The ads are run through the same platform. So hmm. while it's, it is totally different, it requires a totally different approach, different targeting, Almost everything's different, but it is the same platform as Google Ads. And I knew the platform and I was able to figure out YouTube ads and figured out 
really there aren't as many people doing YouTube ads. There's a ton of people, a ton of agencies that are offering Google ads help. So it's it's harder to compete with a million agencies who are doing Google ads. Hmm. Um, when I was able to figure out YouTube ads, there's a very small number of people who have that figured out. So I was able to to really double down on that knowledge and find a lot of people who wanted help with YouTube ads. And I've grown my agency focused on YouTube ads just for the last couple of years. After about five or six years focused on Google ads, growing very slowly, uh, slowly but steadily. Now in the last two years focused on YouTube ads, I've grown very, very quickly. Beautiful, beautiful, Kyle. I think that's an amazing story. And it really sees a lot of people who are trying to get into entrepreneurship who had that like little glimpse in the early of the age and then suddenly got into different situations like nine to five and then didn't find the real passion and got back to the entrepreneurship. That was pretty sick, Kyle. Uh, Kyle, like you've been this nerd who have been trying different marketing platforms. I mean, you are in the marketing, like as you mentioned, in the early 1990s itself, right? Like you were trying to you know, flip stuff when, when eBay was around, right? That was pretty crazy. So you've been seeing like all of these ad platforms grow at a different scale, starting with Facebook, you know, the way it transformed Google, then YouTube ads lately, like how it's, it's been amazingly transforming day to day, right? So, you know, as, as, as an experienced marketer here, we would love to hear your take on, like, what do you think, like, you know, when it comes to the comparison, like pros and cons between like the Facebook ads and Google ads? Yeah, so I will say that you know my company really just focuses on uh, YouTube ads um, and some Google ads. So we, you know, we're familiar with Facebook ads. A lot of our clients are running Facebook ads, so we can kind of see how they compare. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a ton of firsthand experience with Facebook ads. I've maybe mm-hmm. spent a hundred thousand dollars on Facebook ads in my whole career, um, mm-hmm. so I know a little bit, but not as much as. YouTube ads where we've spent over $10 million by now. Um, But so when I compare the platforms, the the number one thing I think about is what is the the frame of mind that people are in when they're on these platforms and what are they trying to accomplish? So, Mm -hmm. and let me actually compare Facebook ads versus Google ads versus YouTube ads because they're all different. So, Google, Google ads is pretty easy. People go to Google because they want to solve a problem. They want to have their question answered. So your ad there needs to solve that problem. If they're looking for someone to uh, unclog their toilet, then they're going to go search for that. And you need to have a solution that that solves that specific problem. Um it's a highly responsive audience. There's a lot of attention there on, on that solution. So if you give them the solution, there's a good chance they'll become a customer and they'll give you money. Now, because, because that traffic is so valuable, you're competing with other advertisers and it does cost a lot. It, it costs the most out of you know any platform that I'm aware of, especially yeah. if you're in a competitive niche with a high priced product you're going to be paying a lot for that traffic, but that's because it is more valuable and those people are more likely to give you money. On, on Facebook and, um, and YouTube, they're not necessarily going there to solve a problem. Facebook, they're really not going there to solve a problem. On YouTube, they might be going there to solve a problem and they might not be. So YouTube's kind of in the middle where they might be looking for a video to solve their problem, hmm. um, or they might just be there to get enter- to be entertained. Now, if they are in fact trying to solve a problem on YouTube, one thing about that is they were trying to solve it for free. They were trying to find a, a video on YouTube that would solve their problem, uh, whether that's you know something like how to how to run YouTube ads, how to how to set up YouTube ads. They might find a video like mine where I'm offering free a lot of free advice on how to set up YouTube ads. They didn't do that search on YouTube ever intending to, to pay me any money, right? Mm. So the traffic can be good because 
you're still helping people solve the problem they're trying to solve, um, but they're not necessarily trying to, to pay someone to solve it. Whereas on yeah. Google, there's a higher likelihood that that's, that's their intent. They're trying to find someone to, to give money to. Mm. Um, and then often on YouTube, they're, they're not trying to solve a problem. They're just there to be entertained. So comparing that then to Facebook ads, where Facebook ads are basically only there to be entertained, to, to spend time, to network with friends and business, business colleagues. Um, but they're absolutely not on Facebook to try to solve a, a problem, at least not one no. that we can target, right? They might be in a Facebook group asking a question about a problem that they have. But at least as of now, Facebook isn't really letting us target those types of in, intents, right? Um, so on Facebook, it's really about interrupting what they're doing mm -hmm. and getting them to pay attention to you. Um, now, hopefully it is a problem that they have. Hopefully the, pro the targeting is good enough that at least it's a problem they have or some desire that, that you can help them achieve. Mm. But they weren't really trying to do that. Okay, so you have to convince them to come over to you to to stop looking at their friends' photos and to come listen to you. Um, now, if you do that, that's just one step: is to actually get their initial attention. From there, you need to keep their attention, which is really hard on Facebook because they didn't have a very big attention span to begin with. They were bouncing around, looking, scrolling through their newsfeed, clicking on their alerts when, they, when anytime anything popped up. So they're already bouncing all over the place on Facebook. Um, it's not the best platform. So for my clients, for example, they're running webinars that promote their programs. Hmm. So we want someone to come from an ad to a webinar and watch that webinar because that's the highest value they can add at the beginning of the relationship. And from there, the webinar is going to either sell a product or it's going to get someone to book a phone call. Hmm. Um, so we want someone to watch that webinar. Now on Facebook, if they just happened across your ad, maybe they're sitting in the, the waiting room at their uh, dentist's office on Facebook. Well, their sound isn't on on their phone in that instance. Um, plus they don't have 30 minutes or 60 minutes to, to watch a video. So Facebook, um, you know, it, it's great. Like I said, a lot of my clients are using Facebook, um, but you can't rely on, on those people to come take action right away. It's more of a platform for, for starting a relationship, but you really need to have ways of continuing that relationship through good emails, through good retargeting, um, and yeah, some people will watch a whole webinar on Facebook, just depending on, on what's going on in their life. Um, but you can't count on that. You, you can only count on them starting a, a relationship, and then you need these other vehicles in place to continue that relationship. YouTube's a little different. They, they have more time set aside to be on YouTube. They're there mm. watching videos already. They're not getting alerted when someone comments on their post. Um, so they actually, you actually have someone's attention on YouTube. So a lot more people are going to watch an entire webinar uh, from a YouTube ad compared to a Facebook ad, which is really good if someone is running ads to a webinar. Uh, again, not everyone's going to watch that webinar. You still need good follow-up. Um, but the the chance of them watching a, a webinar is a lot higher. Typically, because we have this attention on YouTube, it does cost a little more than Facebook. Not a lot more, not like Google ads where it costs way more than both platforms. Um, but YouTube ads typically do cost more, uh, at least more per click than Facebook ads. And that's because it's it's more valuable traffic. People are more likely to pay attention to what you're offering and spend a little time with you right away. Yep, yep, absolutely, Kyle. I think that's a beautiful articulation of what you've just mentioned here. You know, like just like to sum it up, like Google is just about like 
having the solution immediately and youtube is more about learning having the time to spend and you know willingness to learn and watch a video and facebook is more about the interruption marketing that was absolutely insane thanks for mentioning that let's get to the next question kyle this would be absolutely insane i mean you've been someone who's been like at least spending a couple of hundred thousand dollars for each of your client especially while you're running facebook ads at a higher scale right so we're talking about creatives because creative is the most important part like when someone is coming on youtube technically they're trying to learn something or get some outcome or maybe they're just having some entertainment happening and the main part is creative here like how you can attract someone with right psychology elements so can you talk a little bit more about like understanding the youtube ad psychology like how can someone create like a good creative to convert the attention on a youtube ad to an actual webinar visitor or a webinar watcher who will watch till the end yeah so it, it is all about attention you know you have someone's attention and on youtube you have it for at least five seconds before they can skip your ad so it's really important to to make sure that the people watching your ad know that the ad is for them. Now your ad isn't going to be for everybody who sees it. Um, so the other the other side of this is you need to make sure that people who um, who for if, if they're not your target customer, you want them to know this ad is not for them also so that they can skip it, they can move on. Now, it used to be if someone skipped your ad, uh, you didn't have to pay for that. Uh, that's not the case anymore, um, at least not when you're running conversion-based campaigns where the algorithm is trying to find you leads and sales. You're going to pay for those ads no matter what. You're going to pay just for someone to see that ad, even if they skip it right away. Um, mm. But you still want the wrong people to skip your ad because it'll help train the algorithm to find you the right people. So the algorithm is going to work based on people who are clicking on the ad, uh, based on people who are then taking action and opting into something or buying something. But it also works just based on people who are watching the ad and people who aren't skipping the ads right away. Um, you know, Google was built on relevancy. They they gave people what they were looking for when they were searching. Hmm. Uh, I, I believe they look at YouTube in a similar way where they don't want to be showing ads to people that are just going to skip the ad. Um, it, it diminishes the the platform. If, if every ad you see is has no relevance to you at all, um, it diminishes the value of the platform. Versus if you're actually seeing ads that are relevant to you and, and interesting to you to the point where you're watching the ad, uh, wow. even if you don't take action, maybe you're watching the ad or then maybe you do click and take action. You know, that is a better user experience. So Google wants to show relevant ads to people, not just on Google, but on, on YouTube as well. Yep. Um, so even though we're going to pay no matter what at this point uh, we don't get any free views anymore uh, we still want relevant people to watch our ad and we want the people to skip our ad if it's not relevant to them so at the beginning of the ad you really need to call this out you need to talk about who it is you're specifically talking to or at least really talk about their their pains or their mm. desires so that if you're talking to someone's uh, someone's pain, you don't have to specifically say, oh, I'm talking to internet marketers right now. Skip this ad if you're not an internet marketer. Um, you know, you just talk about the, the pain of that group and they're gonna know you're talking to them because that's a pain that they share. So um, those are the things that are really gonna to attract the right people and repel the wrong people is calling them out early in the ad, speaking to their pains and desires and leading them down the path to where you can help them avoid that pain or achieve that desire. Yeah, 
Absolutely, Kyle. Thank you so much. I think that's a clear framework on how someone can structure their, you know, specifically YouTube ad creative as an educational content. And Kyle, let's get to the next question, brother. I mean, as a marketing agency, you know, in 2021, specifically speaking, we have like a lot of marketing agencies who are offering similar services like media buying and all of this, right? Pretty, pretty similar. Like there is not a lot of USPs we can talk about. Of course, you've been someone who's spent like $10 million on YouTube ads specifically. Like, we just would like to, you know, get some deep dive into like, how do you acquire premium clients right now? In, in this in this heavy competition situations, how do you stand out? Um, so my my main client acquisition channel right now is my YouTube channel, um, and it, it took a while to to kind of take off. Um, and I randomly published videos for a long time when I was doing Google Ads, um, but in the in the last couple of years or so, the last year and a half especially, I've really started to focus on my YouTube channel, and I'm providing premium um, information presented in a very watchable format. So I don't hold back many secrets. Um, I really use my YouTube channel to help people with their YouTube ads as, as much as I can, talking about targeting and settings and ad scripting, um, everything that goes into running a successful YouTube campaign. Wow. And I really just put put this information out there. Uh, at the end of every one of my videos, I invite people to come apply to work with my company, and um, and that brings in you know premium clients. That that's caught the attention of some some pretty big names in the in the industry, and there's there's no real secret there, other than to just um, be willing to help people. It's definitely not a, a get rich quick scheme. It's not like you can't start a YouTube channel tomorrow and, and have clients flocking to you uh, next week. Um, but I believe that, you know, just by, by putting this information out there, focusing on the information that will actually help people, it's going to attract the right people who see enough to understand that I'm an expert. I probably know more than they do or could know. And they realize, hey, I'm just going to reach out to this guy and see if see if he can help me so that I don't have to figure this out on my own. Uh, he seems to be the guy that that can help with it. Yeah, I think I think Kyle, that's that's a beautiful strategy. Like you're letting the compound effect help you grow. And I believe like for YouTube, Katie, it's just starting for you. And, you know, it's gonna compound at a much higher rate, and you know, as you have, as you have like a larger growing audience in the coming times. That's that's specifically amazing, brother. So everyone should be stop running around this immediate cold call strategies. Rather focus on like this long term client acquisition strategies, which are going to help them run their business. Pretty amazing stuff, Kyle. Let's get to the next question, brother. I mean, spending a ten million dollar ad spend is not as simple as it sounds especially while you're making your clients profitable at a higher rate, right? So we'd love to learn more about like, how did you systemize your fulfillment system as an agency? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so for uh, for a long time, it was, it was really just me um, mm -hmm. running these ads. Um, I had a couple people helping with that, but no like no decision makers, like no one who, and no one who had experience really prior to working for me. So mm -hmm. it was me coming up with all these systems um, and then teaching a couple people what I knew and, and just kind of having them follow my systems. Um, and that, that worked to a point, obviously. Um, I had reasonable amount of success that way and slowly just kind of developed step-by-step -step processes, checklists to really try to make sure that I'm consistent with the results. Make sure that if I'm doing something in one account that's working, that we have a way to, to apply that in, in every account. Or if we're testing something in one account, it's not working so well. Um, you know, maybe we test that in a, in a couple other accounts, but at some point we realized okay, this thing is not working. We need to find a different way to do this or we need to take this out of, 
out of how we do things. So mm -hmm. my systems kind of grew from just step-by-step -step documents to checklists to now I've moved over to, uh, to ClickUp, and, um, which is a project management tool. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have full step-by-step -step, uh, tasks, really, that different members of the team are responsible for different things. And when we are launching a client or when we are scaling a client, there are different things that are going on, uh, mm -hmm. different things that we are doing depending on what stage a client is in, um, you know, and, and different like oversight. You know, there's not just one person looking at something. There's, there's a whole team involved now. Uh, I have six media buyers now who are, who are on my team. Um, and they've contributed probably at this point, they've contributed more to these systems than I did at first. So it's, it's really the team now who has built these systems. And that's why we're able to get these consistent results for our clients um, and do it at scale. Because, uh, you know, your question, it really has been about the system and, and about setting up the system. Um, and I'll add that part of that is not being so, so rigid with, with mm -hmm. a system that you know, we want room for flexibility. I have a lot of really smart people on my team. I want them yeah. to be able to make decisions and try new things because um, that's how we get a better system built. And along the way, we're tweaking, we're making improvements. And it's it's a system that uh, is never going to be done, I don't think. It's, it's always going to be in the works. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, Kyle. I think... I think you've been building out a great team, like key leaders inside your company, which are contributing for this great success. Uh, appreciate that, brother. So Kyle, let's get into the next question, brother. I mean, you've been like a hardcore marketing agency who run YouTube ads and, you know, to manage everything for your clients as they're done for your service. We would love to hear more about like your tech stuff, like your project management stuff. Can you name like the tools and, you know, systems and process you use to manage your clients and projects for productivity? Yeah, so I mentioned uh, ClickUp. Um, so that's that's a big one. Um, that has allowed us to really, um, you know, not just have a list of tasks, but really have a project that's a, mm. a series of different tasks and and different things that that are added to that project uh, depending on the the client or depending on what's going on. So. Uh, ClickUp's been huge for us. And, um, you know, outside of that, we don't use too much that, you know, we use Google Sheets for some stuff. We use uh, Google Drive to organize different, um, you know, different information and stuff like that. So, you know, that's really Google Sheets, Google Drive is really just for like organizing information, um, organizing data. In terms of managing the products, the projects, we're using ClickUp for that, and we've been all in on that for, um, I don't know, almost a year. I th I want to say, and that's that's been going great. Wow. Yeah, thank you so much, Kyle. Uh, that was really helpful. Let's get to the next question, Kyle. We would love to hear more about like your personal routines. Like, do you kind of follow any daily routines these days? How does that look like? Um. A little bit. I, I try not to get too tied into, um, you know, like a, a morning routine that has 10 different components and, and all this type of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think when people get into that, into that type of thing, it's hard to maintain. And then you just beat yourself up for not following through with what you wanted to follow through with. Um, but I'll walk you through my basic routine. So I wake up every day without an alarm clock, usually at 6 or 6.30. Um, I have my morning coffee, and then I read a book. Um, I read a book until my, until my family gets up, which is usually 7 to 7.30 is when they're getting up, depending on whether there's, there's school or not. I have a wife and three kids um, and one, one on the way. So it's a pretty hectic uh, household. 
Um, so that's kind of my, my morning. And um, in the morning, I'll read some type of business book. Right now, I'm, I'm reading uh, Traffic Secrets by Russell Brunson. When I first got it, I just kind of skimmed through it. Now I finally am reading it. Um, really great book, by the way. So then, um, you know, I hang out with the family in the morning, um, sit down with the kids while they eat breakfast. I don't eat breakfast, um, but I'll sit with the kids while they eat breakfast. And then uh, sometimes I'll take uh, one or two of the kids to school, sometimes not. Um, and then I then it's to work. I, I have my own office. Um, no one else on my team works in my office. My whole team is virtual, but I have my own office, which is a, a really great space for me. So mm-hmm. I come into work. Um, usually put in about two to three hours on some type of focused work, whether that's uh, something creative, like I'm putting together videos um, for my YouTube channel, uh, coming up with ideas for that. Or maybe it's something more of oh, ironing out a, a process um, for the company or um, you know, thinking of different ways that, that um, we can help our clients with their accounts and thinking of different um, systems and processes processes that we can put behind what we're doing for our clients. Um, but that's kind of the morning is you know, two to three hours of that. Um, it doesn't always happen, but I really try to focus for those couple hours just on a mm. big thing where if this was all I got done today, it would be a successful day. Um, from there, it's kind of in, into different meetings uh, with my team or with uh, mastermind groups that I might be in or interviews like I'm doing with you right now. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of have usually like a few hours of, of meetings during the day. Um, the end of my work day, I, I just kind of do random stuff. If, if there's something important that needs to be done, I, I do it. Or if I'm just going through emails or going through my team's uh, Slack channel, um, I, I I don't put anything too important uh, at the end of the day uh, because my energy tends to be kind of low by then, and I don't want to do anything that's that important with with low energy. After work, then um, I I work out. Um, my workout of choice is CrossFit. So I go to my CrossFit gym across town Monday through Friday and get a good workout in there and then head home after that, um, have supper with the family. I might take the kids to some activities that they're involved in or we might just stay home, um, but that's really family time. So after CrossFit, the rest of the day is is family time for me until I go to bed and then, and then start over the next day. Mm. Perfect, Kyle. Thank you so much for a detailed review on your daily routines. We appreciate that. And we would love to get into some more questions here, brother. So what will be your number one suggestion for a 20-year-old you or someone who's just getting started in business? So so really, I'd, I'd just say um, get started. Don't overanalyze what you're doing just get started. Find something that you're interested in. Figure out if if there are other people making a living doing this thing. Figure out what they're doing and if if you can do some of those same things. And just know that you're going to have a lot of failures. You're not going to have things figured out. Um, but the key is to get started. The, the problem a, a lot of people fall into is they they just overanalyze everything and they read all these books about psychology or how to start a business or whatever, or they go through all these courses and they learn all this stuff, but they never take action on anything. You're going to learn a hundred times faster just by doing something, just by uh, taking, making a move, finding a, someone who will give you money for something that you can give them a value, figuring out what what went right with that transaction, figuring out 
what went wrong with that transaction, and then learning along the way and figuring out how to do it again. So get started, stop overanalyzing, stop reading, like you've learned enough, okay? You've learned enough to do something. Just start doing it, because then you're gonna find out what you really need to learn. Um, You're gonna do something, you're gonna have a failure, and then you'll say, oh, like all those books that I read about about uh, copywriting didn't really help me here because I'm not actually a copywriter. Like I'm in this other business over here and I need to find out how to learn about this business. Um, so yeah, just just get started um, and ho- hopefully you can make something happen and, and just keep pressing forward. Things aren't going to happen overnight. I think it's, you know, Tony Robbins says that People overestimate what they can do in a year, but they underestimate what they can do in 10 years. And I've found that to be very true. So don't think that you're going to have all the success in the next year. You probably won't. Okay, Don't get discouraged by that because over the next 10 years, what you can actually do in 10 years is way more than you than you're thinking that you can do in 10 years. So keep that in mind and go easy on yourself, but take action. Yep. I think that's a perfect suggestion for especially 20 year old brother. That was on point. And uh, Kyle, let's get on, you know, your life's biggest achievement so far and any next bigger goals. Um, yeah. So you, uh, you mentioned that I'm a, a two comma club winner. So that, that uh, got awarded to me this year. Um, this will be my first year in business crossing the, the $1 million revenue mark. So mm-hmm. um, officially a seven-figure agency now. So that pretty big achievement. Um, but at the same time, um, I you know haven't congratulated myself too much for that. It's, it's just one little step along the way. I'm still trying to grow to bigger and better things. Um, so, you know, I, I won't I won't say what my actual goals are for next year, but I'm constantly trying to level up and achieve bigger and bigger goals. Um, my goals are always bigger than what I actually achieve, but I'm still achieving a lot more than I would be achieving without those goals. Without the goals. So... Yeah. You know, maybe one day I'll I'll achieve one of my crazy goals that I set for myself. Um, but I don't know. I, I think if that happens, that just means I didn't set a big enough goal. So um, I'll, I'll just keep setting setting huge goals for myself and and leveling up without necessarily reaching my goal, at least not right away. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's 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 amazing, Carl. Thank you so much. Let's get to the next question, brother. What was what was the biggest mistake in your life so far, especially in terms of business? You know, I don't I don't have a specific uh, mistake, big mistake that I can point to. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's probably because I don't really look at mistakes as mistakes. Um, I look at them more as as learning experiences. You know, I, I could say my biggest mistake was not niching down earlier when I was doing Google Ads. Uh, I was basically willing and offering to do Google Ads for any anyone who would give me money. It didn't matter what business you were in. If you wanted to run Google ads and you wanted someone to do them, do that for you, I was your guy. Um, and as good as I was at Google ads, I didn't really have a my customer defined. So mm. because of that, it was a lot harder to find customers. I wasn't like the Google ads guy for, for limo companies. I wasn't the Google ads guy for pressure washing companies. Um, and I was looking at friends of mine who did kind of hold those titles. They were the Google ads guy for specific industries mm. and they scaled way, way faster than I did. Um, and, um, 
so yeah, that, that, if you want to call that a mistake, um, was definitely one. I, I should have niched down, found a specific target market because it makes client acquisition and scaling so much easier. Um, True. but again, I don't necessarily want to call that a mistake is more of a learning experience. So once I went all in on YouTube and started focusing on YouTube ads, I have really niched down and I'm doing YouTube mm. ads for high ticket coaches and course creators. Um, and that, you know, ha having learned from that mistake with Google ads, I've now niched down with YouTube ads and I've been able to really attract my customers better and scale my business more quickly. Yeah, 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 absolutely, Carl. I think I think every especially marketing agency owners goes through this phase of like, hey, I can do anything like SEO, website, funnels, YouTube, doesn't matter. Just pay me, right? Like that's like the young stage of marketing. And as you kind of level up and you get more clear on your audience and avatar, that that's pretty cool. I think in the, in the beginning, that's what you, you need to do. Like you need you need to figure out what you're gonna be good at, who you're gonna be able to help. So I, I'm not, I don't think I should have niched down from day one, but you know, maybe one yeah. year in, two years in, I really should have, uh, you know, if I would have gone that route, I probably wouldn't be doing YouTube ads right now. Cause I would have found a niche with Google ads that I was really able to, to scale and, um, and reach my goals with. Yep. yep. Yeah. I think that's a real like learning process for every especially digital marketer. So let's get to the next question, brother. Your main inspiration for success, like what keeps you motivated every day and key people involved in your journey? So really the, the key people involved um, are my, my family and my team. I have an extremely supportive wife who didn't really know what she was getting herself into when she decided to marry me and, and the kind of entrepreneur that I am. But, you know, she's been supportive and, and completely behind me every step of the way. And then uh, my kids, you know, obviously kids are kids. They don't take too much interest in what their parents do. But just knowing that, that they're there, um, you know, I, I need to support them. I need to be a good example for them. Um, they're hugely involved in my success, even without them knowing it, at least not right now. Maybe once they're adults they'll they'll figure that out mm -hmm. um and then my my team so i i have a great team um who shares my my company's mission of of providing of of helping high ticket coaches and course creators scale with youtube ads you know that's our mission and my whole team is behind that mission and they really support me in that and I can come to them with with crazy ideas and either they'll make them happen or they'll kind of rein me in and um, and figure out you know what we really should be doing. So my team is is huge. I I couldn't do any of what I'm doing without without the the team. Um, and then for for inspiration, so one one thing I I like to do is read or listen to books about entrepreneurs um, or other people who are successful in whatever they do. So mm. I listen to a, a lot of books on Audible. I've found the, the ones I enjoy the most are biographies or autobiographies about business people, about sports people, um, even sports that I have never watched and don't have much interest in. I just like learning about people who are at the top of their game. So I listen to a lot of biographies, um, a lot of autobiographies, and that really helps keep me inspired too. Perfect, Kyle. Thank you so much for mentioning that. And Kyle, like, what an amazing gem bomb we had on this podcast today who was specialized in absolutely YouTube, you know, advertising. So where can our audience find you mentoring or where they can actually find a way to work together with you? So um, the first thing you'll want to probably do is check out my YouTube channel. So just search my name on YouTube and, and you'll pull that up. Um, but to learn a little more about me and, and my company and, you know, opt in for some free resources, you can just go to my website, adleg.com. That's A-D-L-E-G.com. Um, 
And I, I won't send you to a specific thing on there. That's just for you to kind of poke around. You can see what I'm up to there. Um, there's a YouTube ads swipe file you can get a hold of. Um, mm. There's a YouTube ads uh, guided audit. If you're already running YouTube ads, um, you can go through a guided audit of your account. Um, you can find my my software, VidHoarder, that helps with your YouTube ad targeting. Or you can just apply to be a client. If, if you like what you've heard today and, and you'd like my company to take a look at what you're doing and see if it's something we can help you with, with YouTube ads, uh, you can apply to be a client. And you'll find all those things right on the homepage there on adleg.com. Yep. Perfect, Kyle. So guys, make sure to check out Kyle's YouTube channel as well as adleg.com. The links will be in the description of the podcast. And Kyle, it was absolutely beautiful having you on. Any last word before we conclude the total podcast session? Uh, just just thanks for having me. Um, I love sharing this message. I love um, you know letting people know that, yes, YouTube ads does work uh, if you have uh, the right kind of business for it. It's not for everybody, but if you have a funnel that's working, if you're selling a program that people want, um, and if if your people are congregating on YouTube, which most people are, uh, then YouTube ads can work great, but it's also very difficult. So don't follow Google's advice. Don't accept any help from anyone at Google. Um, if you're going to get into YouTube ads, at least go watch some of my YouTube videos um, that'll give you a great start. And if you want to take things to the next level, you can you can reach out to me. Yep, absolutely, Kyle. Thank you so much once again for the amazing opportunity. So guys, make sure to check out adleg.com for more help from Kyle. So once again, Kyle, thank you so much for this amazing opportunity. It was absolutely insane having you on today for the podcast show. Guys, who actually listened to the podcast so far, make sure to take notes, re-listen to this podcast. Like Kyle literally broke down how you can actually start and scale up a marketing agency, acquire premium clients, build long-term you know, assets which could get you consistent clients, YouTube framework, advertising creators, and how to create them and a lot of more stuff. So make sure to check this out once again and take notes and start implementing this for sure. Stay tuned for the next interviews, guys. I'll be coming back with another amazing Two Comma Club interview. This is me, Dean Nikhil Sai, and Kyle signing off for today. Peace.